0: tonight. Movie Geeks in the House.
1: Oh that's
0: uh, yes. sure. <laughs> We're doing fine. We're doing good. We're doing pretty good. good. Um what was the big release this weekend? Um oh. The
1: Justice League. <laughs> oh yeah. You sound excited I about it. <laughs> well I mean I think I I think I found the perfect analogy for the film. Bear with me. Um so you know how, like, when you're going to the dentist and you think you're gonna get like ten cavities or something, you only get like five. So that's like, like this is like, I guess, compared to <laughs> Batman versus Superman. So does that does that seem like a fair analogy? Oh, uh, I, I, I guess like so. This, does, I feel like George <laughs> Costanza. I feel like some George Costanza all of a sudden like asking that. Um, but is, is that a fair analogy? Because <laughs> um, it, 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 it here's the sad thing: there's actually some. It actually does have humor, thankfully, in it. So that's always a plus. Um, but. I, I really watch the movie, you know, so it, Wonder Woman is really going to be the odd, the odd man out for lack of a better phrase is as as like a really well done movie. And I think Zack Snyder and could take some pointers and I know his daughter committed suicide, so he couldn't finish this. Um, but that's also the other part of the problem is you have two competing visions of the movie, Josh Whedon's version of whatever he, he shot and Zack Snyder's work. Um, it's, not the worst of these movies. There's definitely some improvement, but I – and maybe, Dean, you can back me up here. The the source material comes from Jack Kirby and Mm -hmm. the Marvel movies. It's all Jack – this is all Jack Kirby's work. So um, what's interesting is it just feels like DC or Warner Brothers is playing this horrible game of catch-up, and it's so desperate to try to get to Marvel and it's just like, you almost want to just say, guys, stop. Um, you know? I mean, you get that feeling um, out of it. Um, mm-hmm. But it's not, I, I think it's a vast improvement, but still, there's, um, you know, you're you're going in with such low expectations, at least I was, for a movie like this. Um, you know, anything's going to be good, so you
0: know? Is, is Batman versus Superman, is that is that the worst of them? Do you think? I think so. I really do. Um, just from a,
1: How do I say this? You're trying to throw so much at... I think Zack Snyder is one of these filmmakers, and we see this with Watchmen, too. Um, uh, Man of Steel, for that matter, as well. He's a guy that throws so much at the wall to see what sticks. And I don't know if that's a good way to make movies um, at all. If you're just doing it, it's almost like a Richard Kelly kind of technique. And I don't know if that's good when you're trying to make these kind of movies. But I, there's a, in Batman versus Superman, the reason the movie is as bad as it is is because you're taking several different storylines that have existed throughout the decades and you're trying to meld them into one story and it just doesn't make any sense. It just doesn't work. Um, it, it really makes no sense. I mean, the one question I got from everyone is, why is Batman and Superman fighting each other? Well, I mean, that's the one question I always got about that movie that people just didn't get.
2: And I mean to, correct me if I'm wrong, but like it that happened in the comics, okay? But it
1: did happen it, in it, the Dark Knight but, returns. But it,
2: happen. it happened like way, way into their uh you know, their relationship in the comics. Yes, I mean it, exactly. it happened way later.
1: Yeah, and I don't mind them changing it but it doesn't work though. You have to do it very there's a there's a way to do it obviously you can make it work. But, yeah, there's an established history. I mean, there's a line that, in this new one, Justice League, where Ben Affleck's Batman, oh, I've been doing this for 20 years. I'm like, really? Wait, you've been doing this for 20 years? I got the impression you just came on the scene in the last movie. Wait a minute. Wait. What you, <laughs> well, you know, I mean, he's playing, you know. I you burst know. out laughing, though. I burst out laughing. <laughs> I know. Though. That like, is funny. <laughs> But, I mean, it, look, it's easy okay. to rag on these movies, you know, when the, when the other company is doing such a better job, I guess, if you will, and 20th Century Fox in their own way is doing a better job. But um, I it's just, it, I've never seen anything like, I've never seen a major franchise of such beloved characters drop the ball so badly. Um, Man,
0: it's, it's I, so much money. It's so much money.
2: <laughs> I mean it would have to make $300 million, right, to to even – or uh, $600 million or oh. something oh. to
0: – yeah, it has to $800 million
2: yeah, it has is to what be. I read,
1: $800 million no, really? to,
2: to break even.
1: Wait, wait. How did it do this weekend? How did it I – I haven't checked anything, so I have to – it, Domestically, it didn't – I don't think it
2: even hit 100 Oh, dear. <laughs> so I'm not no,
0: sure, yeah, that, that. but that, I think it's that,
1: something that, like $95. <laughs>
0: Didn't Justice League come out last week or or did it really no, come this,
1: out this weekend? This, this, it came out
0: this week. It came out this weekend. Uh, okay. All right. Well, you know, if we're wrong about the gross don't uh listen out there, don't don't <laughs> don't pound Don't the pound people out. People. it's <laughs> just it's just that we don't care enough about Justice League to look it up. I'm so sorry.
3: Yeah. And we don't uh, really you, care
0: about grosses either, to be quite honest. Yeah,
3: we're not
1: interested in that. Be, be, before we go talk about other movies, I'd really just like to congratulate Dean on his interview with Burt Reynolds. It was really a lot of fun to listen to and, and very uh, that's, informative. That's nice. It was really inform- No, 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 it really was. Um, but, I, you know, so I'm watching it, and I was going – I was even, like, well, listening to it at work. So I was, like, going on IMDb looking at, you know, going back and there is an oddity that i mean he probably might have strangled you if you brought it up um <laughs> the this movie that he made i just i want to see is it the, like the early 70s or late 60s um Skoldry or something remember oh, that Dougry. Skulls Skulls ugly, ugly. Yeah, yeah. You remember that with, like, the ape-like creatures or whatever that they find? Like, I do remember it. I do remember seeing
2: it, like, late at night on CBS, yeah. late night movie or something.
1: Yeah. <laughs> and isn't that just, like, the, one of the oddest films on his resume? I mean...
2: It is. You know, the beginning of his, of his career, he had some strange movies. He had a TV movie called Fade In with Barbara Loden that was uh, kind of interesting that... <laughs> Uh, he kind of dismisses, but I, I thought was one of his early early works that uh, mm-hmm. you know pretended a, a different kind of uh, surprising kind of future for him. Um, but um, but yeah, I mean Skulduggery and Gold and uh, was, was yeah. that one that he was in Gold? And, I, uh, don't well, maybe, I don't know. I don't. Maybe not. Maybe I'm maybe mixing it up with something else. But um, yeah, he had a he, very interesting career and in, uh, early on. But uh yeah, so uh, I mean one of the uh comments that I got, this was really nice, uh, from a, a listener named uh, Jeremy Sa- S I guess.
1: Yeah, Sabus, uh, yeah, 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 He's been he's been he's been listening to the show since the beginning, so Yeah,
2: yeah he's, he's he he uh, he said this interview made my week, uh Dean. You know, it's funny how we have certain perceptions of actors or movie stars formed through the media. And then you hear an interview like this, and we're reminded how few times they're even given the opportunity to really engage with someone who truly gets it and appreciates the work. It really felt like listening in on a conversation between two friends. Not to be the dead horse, but Jamie's right about that being the most uh, we've heard anyone get out of him regarding Boogie Nights. He almost seemed to even come around to it. Uh, so that's, yeah, a really, yeah. that's a really great... Uh, uh, compliment and thank you, Jeremy. Yeah. And if, if uh, only,
0: if only we're really Burt
2: Reynolds. <laughs> yes <laughs> that was crazy. Jeremy, uh, in case you, in case the listeners don't know, uh, Jeffrey Wells, who does uh, uh, Hollywood Elsewhere, uh, one of my favorite sites. Even though I don't like him necessarily as a person, but <laughs> but, uh, but I do, I do I do like his views on movies and uh he came out and said uh well it doesn't really sound like burt reynolds you know it's uh i think he was speaking metaphorically that you know he's older and he doesn't have the same sort of uh you know uh lilt and you know he's not doing the famous laugh and everything so um so maybe that's it and uh and to be fair, the piece that he had listened to, I think, was the Boogie Nights piece, which comes at the end of the, you know, eighty minute interview or whatever, and
3: mm-hmm.
2: uh, and he might have been a little tired out at that point, so you know, his his voice might not have been in prime condition, yeah. but uh,
0: uh, but uh, I I got what well, he we was saying, we but... yeah, we appreciate him running it. I mean, and honestly, <laughs> yes. I yes. Uh, I sent him that pre- I sent him that press release and. Twenty minutes later, he put it up on his site, so
3: he yeah. he was
0: on top of it. So yeah, so we appreciate uh, yeah, that. Got to give him credit for that. He,
2: he 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 knows something interesting when it comes down the pike, so that's good. Um, but yeah, it, it it seems to have uh, the interview seems to have captured everybody's uh, delight and so forth. So I'm really I'm really glad about that. And and, I'm and I'm
0: Bert, it's a great it's a great interview, man. Yeah. yeah, it is.
2: Thanks. Mm. Thank you. And Bert's
0: happy about it too,
2: so that's
0: good. Let me tell let me let me uh talk a little bit of news and then we'll get into movies that we've seen. seen, because the big to do this past week is uh Sony is the studio that has ultimately nabbed Tarantino's next film and mm-hmm. uh probably his final film after that, or anything else he produces after that, because we have every reason to believe that Tarantino is loyal to the, the people that uh, are loyal to him. So uh, the next one, it's right now it's called Number 9. It is not about Charles Manson. It is about 1969 in Los Angeles. Charles Manson is a peripheral character, much like Hitler was a peripheral character in Glorious Bastards. The movie is about a TV actor who has one hit series and his sidekick, who is a stunt double, and they're both desperate to break into big-time Hollywood movies against the backdrop of the Sharon Tate murders or the Manson murders. Uh, and what's most exciting about it is that uh, for me, because this, this really piqued my, piqued my interest, is that he's, uh, Tom Cruise is certainly he's reached out to Tom Cruise mm-hmm. to do it as well as DiCaprio and Pitt but uh man Tom Cruise needs a role again and this this, <laughs> this would bring him back bring him back into magnolia territory you know he yeah. he has the chops to do it he's just kind of been wasting away in 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 some really good and some subpar action movies mhm boy if they could get
2: all three of those guys that would be a real uh, and then of course Margot Robbie for uh, uh, for the Sharon Tate role, I guess.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah, which uh, is about
0: as perfect as you can get, I think.
2: Yeah. From, yes, oh yeah. From, I wonder if Number Nine will end up being the real title of the movie because you know Number Nine does appear on the White Album, the Beatles White Album, quite a bit in that in that one piece.
0: Oh, that's know, interesting. <laughs> <laughs> So and, his, it, and you, his last and his last movie was the Hateful Eight. Yeah, so I yeah. Mean, Eight was in the title. Yeah. Number Nine wouldn't It'd be, be a bad uh, title. <laughs> yeah, and it would be kind of like a like a um, Fellini throwback too, in a way. Uh huh. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, but uh, that is that all that is exciting. That's for sure. Yeah, very much. Hundred million dollar budget. Or ninety-five million dollar budget, and it's uh, that movie will have to make three hundred twenty-five million to break even, because he mm-hmm. negotiated a twenty-five uh, percent of profits uh, from first dollar gross. Um, so they were desperate. I mean, they were they were desperate to get Tarantino because they made a lot of concessions to do it.
3: Right, but I think
0: I think the value of having a Tarantino film on your on your release schedule and the afterlife that his films have generally uh, was mm-hmm. well worth it to them. So, yeah. Yeah. It's
2: going to be a thrill.
0: I hope. <laughs> uh, let me, let me see what else is on here. Um, Anne Wedgworth died. She was an uh, actress. I know a lot of people know her from three's company, but when I think of, Ann, uh, she's been in a lot of stuff, but, uh, I think of her in scarecrow, uh, a lot. Um, Right, and she, uh, we—that was actually one of the first uh, interview requests I ever sent was to Ann Wedgworth in oh, really?
4: 2007.
0: Okay. Yeah, to be part of the um, Pacino tribute, which was like the second or third show we ended up doing. And mm-hmm. uh, her assistant uh, kindly declined and said that uh, you know, uh, I try to get her to promote herself a lot more than she is. I've started her website and all this stuff, but. She's very shy, and she she's weary of anything having to do with the Internet. But uh, she agrees with you. Scarecrow is one of the great movies, and, and she loved Hackman and Pacino and all this kind of stuff. And, uh, so he was, it was a very sweet response that I received from her. But.
2: I remember her primarily, well, first coming into contact with her as an actress in a movie called uh, Citizens Band with uh
3: oh yeah one oh, of the Jonathan right.
2: Demi movies where mm-hmm. she played uh she played a uh a a woman caught in a kind of a three three way love affair uh with uh Charles Napier who plays a uh a trucker that's uh that's got multiple wives in different states let's put it that way so uh she was she was very good in that and and she continued to be good for quite quite some time so uh, very interesting character actress it's, uh, it's a great loss uh, uh,
0: also um, uh, I had it right here they're making you know a few a couple of years ago they made a documentary about Sidney Lumet which consisted of his final long form interview like they did it for the documentary and I never got that. Never aired anywhere, did it? That hasn't shown up. It yet. was
2: on PBS. It was on PBS. Uh, uh, I think American Masters or something like that. And it did get to see. I'm trying, to, a, I'm a trying little... to remember if I saw it. I, I saw it. it. It was. It was fine. You know, it was wasn't wasn't outstanding, but it was. Uh, it, it was it was it was fairly good. You know, well, okay, I like you
0: know, his documentaries about about filmmakers come out and um, they just announced that they're making a feature documentary on the life of Alan Pakula, Alan J. Pakula. So which gosh, what a great filmmaker he was. So the, I'm looking forward yeah. to that.
1: that would be, I would like to see that too. That's
2: an unusual choice. I, I, there must, uh, there must be a greater story there that I don't, that we don't know about. So uh and it might have to do with you know some of the blowback from from all the presidents men or or um, uh, the parallax view, uh, but uh, who knows? So, it, but it could be interesting.
0: I'm sure a lot of it will be all the presidents men, but I mean, he also uh, Kevin Klein and Meryl Streep are in the movie to talk about Sophie's Choice, and I mean, he he's got quite a few movies that you could talk about. Yep. Yeah, yeah, no All the the President's Men is the elephant in the room Which, Redford's in the documentary too, of course Yep All right What else, guys? What have you guys seen? What's, what's, What's exciting out there? Well, I, uh I've been watching a
2: lot of movies over the past 2 weeks. Uh, you know, I'm, I've been getting a lot of screeners in uh, because I'm now part of a Atlanta Critics Group, so uh the screeners are flowing in over uh online uh through uh links or uh physical copies that are coming in. So uh so yesterday I sat down and watched what I think is one of the worst movies of the year
1: uh <laughs> and Godzilla versus Trump.
2: <laughs> no. A ghost story which uh you I, didn't really like liked. It? I really like I really like that director. I mean David Lowry's been a guest on the show, I've interviewed him and right.
3: Oh, but sorry.
2: uh yeah, it did not uh that did not hit well with me. I was I, that was hmm. an endurance test. I mean, a real uh <laughs> it was the kind of movie that uh could have been done in a fifteen-minute short. I felt like you okay, just, because it doesn't have any dialogue in it, so um, it could have just been uh, set down in images that could have gone by quite quickly. But instead, we've got ten-minute long shots of someone moving through a room, or of course the famous, the now famous, you know, uh, ten-minute shot of of uh, you know Rooney Mara eating a pie. Uh in grief, uh, out of grief, and uh, are <laughs> like
1: in grief, like in grief? <laughs> <laughs> um, oh, I'm sorry. I, I I guess it's like I guess it's one of those movies. Like I can understand what you mean. I mean, but I think if you've lost someone or something very close to you, I think it, it has some impact. I can I can imagine if I hadn't lost anybody, I might feel the same way. But it I, it, it works on a different level once you really. Lost someone, um, like a family member or something, or a love, or any kind of loved one, or a friend. It's like really, I I think it's a really good movie. It's the kind of movie I wouldn't have responded to otherwise. Um, mm. But so I, I got to be. I, I see what's. I understand what you're saying. But there's. It makes. It just makes for me. It just makes perfect sense. The movie. I mm. I, can't, I mean, I don't, I don't know. No, I don't know how to describe it. It just makes perfect sense. I guess about existence and everything. There's well, something I liked about it that I liked really, you know I think the
2: thing I liked most about it I guess was the sort of I mean obviously the melancholy air to it and the right. uh, I particularly liked it towards liked it more towards the end when um you know eventually Rooney Mara kind of moves out of the house but the ghost stays and yeah. I, I I found some of that some of that interesting um and and I did find it moving that there was another ghost on the in the house <laughs> across the way. Of course, yeah. That that, uh, that uh, our main ghost, you know, communicates to. Um, I, I I thought all that stuff was good, but it, it was too too little for me to to Isn't chew okay? on. I just kept wanting them to get on with it, and. Uh, and I think that it would have been more effective as a short. That's that's yeah. all I, I was just saying. I mean, going I, the, I,
0: fair enough. I I think the movie is the the process of not being able to get along with it with it because uh, both of those characters. It's like at what time is it acceptable to let go
3: uh, mm-hmm. and not
0: feel like you're uh, deserting Betraying. the one you love or dis- disappointing the memory of the one you love, and that works for both of those characters. And whatever right. the effect yeah. is, I thought it was a really neat effect. That once they received closure, I, I really loved the, the disappearance. You mm-hmm. know, when the, yes. the sheet—something mm-hmm. yeah. so simple—and the sheet just, you know, completely deflates. And whatever I mean, yeah. was in that was in that note at the end of it was what he needed to to know. Yeah. And she, and she mm-hmm. knew to put it there. Yes, um, mm. there, there, there's, there's, there's this uh, intangible kind of spiritual quality about it that I really dug. But it, mm-hmm. you're right, and I said it a couple of weeks ago. I said, you know, that that rhubarb pie, uh, that's the movie. Because uh, if you can't, if you have trouble sitting through that, uh that's yeah. part of the course for the rest of the movie. I mean, let's yeah. of the road. No, it's not for everyone. I mean, it's
1: a, it's a very, I mean. I Dean, yes, it's really, it is. There's a spiritual quality of the movie that I have not seen in a lot of movies. Um, it has a spiritual level to it that I, I think works that I, I that I get, but I only get because I've been I'm in that situation. I would not have understood the film or even tried to sit through it um, had had I not had, had the shared experience of that. So I understand mm. guy, Dean. I understand where you're coming from. But it's not said, so that's an interesting idea. That has a
0: short. That is an interesting concept.
1: It's, but I also I also
0: like the idea of him in a sheet. I mean, yeah. because it's so easy to to laugh at. Yeah, uh, because it's kind of ridiculous. So it's taking taking that concept that looks very like jokey and like a kid at Halloween or something, and infusing it with with depth. Like the the more it goes on, the more accepting you are of that visual, or at mm-hmm. least I, I was. <laughs> you know, and I, I like. Filmmakers that take a chance like that, like a few years ago, uh, because it's so easy to make fun of. Uh, right. A few years ago, Jason Reitman did his takeoff on like a Harlequin, a ridiculous Harlequin love story in Labor Day. And oh, so, yeah. if you watch, if you watch with Josh Brolin and Kate Winslet, if you watch that movie, and you try to think to yourself, he's trying to make a legitimate movie out of Harlequin trash uh it's an it's a more interesting movie if you see it through that perspective and of course it doesn't it doesn't all work it's not a really good movie by any means but uh <laughs> i dug the fact that he, that that's what he was trying to do yeah yeah i mean it's
2: it, it's you know i i appreciated the movie the, uh, a ghost story for its um for its unusual uh take on things but uh i just um uh, you know and it's not like i don't like slow movies either i do uh but uh but sometimes there's a point where just your patience just breaks
3: mm-hmm.
2: and uh and this this was the case for me i i, I respect it but i don't uh but i don't but love it's not it. a
0: favorite it's not it's not something you can get behind
2: no, I can't. I, I could can well, never way, imagine sure. watching it again. <laughs> I also
0: got to. I also got to say when I mentioned that about Labor Day, uh, Bridges of Madison County was not a Harlequin novel, but it might as well have been. And uh, that shows you right there, like when you take a ridiculous piece of like supermarket fiction and and make it mm-hmm. art. I mean, what Clint Eastwood did with that version of Bridges.
1: Right. Uh, mm-hmm.
0: It's probably probably the shining example of that. Yeah, I agree with that now. I agree with that. It's yeah, like you know. a heartbreak God, what a heartbreaking movie. I, I have yeah, so, never I have rarely yeah. been so moved by it and it makes me sound like I'm some kind of uh I don't know, a pussy. But uh a <laughs> cuck, you're a cock with, with, with Beryl Street with Beryl Streep has her head on that door of the car, oh my god. And she's watching the light change oh it's a, uh, it's yeah heart wrenching.
2: Jesus. yeah it is it is It's is. It is incredibly memorable if only that movie hadn't had those terrible scenes with the with the yeah. sons and yeah. daughters uh that would have been a masterpiece <laughs> uh but uh th- those scenes are so bad <laughs> it's hard it's hard to get through those but uh the rest of it is fantastic i loved it um so I watched uh, I watched a really great film uh, this past week. I've been watching tons of movies, so I can't possibly cover them all. But um, uh, i got to pronounce his name right. Uh, Andre uh, Zvegan says he uh, has done a new movie called uh, Loveless. Uh, it's a... He's from Russia oh, yeah. and of course he, oh, he did okay. he did a movie called uh Leviathan a, a couple of years ago that was <laughs> fantastic. Um and uh his new movie uh which was a kind of a finalist at, at Cannes film festival I think it might have won an award. Um follows a uh, a constantly quarreling couple, married couple. Uh, they're both very good played by, uh, Mariana Spivak and, uh, Alexi Rosen, uh, who are, whose marriage is on the, their its last legs and, uh, they have a child, but the, uh, this is possibly the most, uh, unloving mother that I've seen in, in a movie in quite some time, uh, where she's, uh, she's she regrets the birth of their child, she regrets ever meeting uh the man she's married to and she just wants out. And during one of their most heated arguments where they uh where she expresses her antipathy towards her own son, the son overhears it and decides to run away. So the entire movie is uh is basically this couple coming to grips with their own um their own responsibility towards their uh son's disappearance. Uh, they don't know that he's overheard it, but uh, uh anyway, the the uh the movie is devastating. It's beautifully shot just like uh uh Leviathan is. Uh, uh if you haven't seen Leviathan, uh I strongly urge you to go and check it out. It's really something else but this this is definitely of a piece of that. It's uh, it, it's it's almost like a companion movie in some ways, because uh, it it deals with a lot of the same kinds of issues and uh that the first movie did and uh he's he's just one of the one of the major talents nowadays. Uh he's he's really good. So the movie is called Loveless and I think it's available to uh to see now uh at home or whatever so uh so check that out but um another movie <clears throat> that I want to talk about that's that's, uh, that's also you know both of these movies are 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 you know in their own ways uh you know kind of just as slow as uh as um a ghost story is but there's more going on in them to me um but this other one <clears throat> which hasn't gotten a lot of play this year but uh critically or uh, anything but this is a new movie called Columbus
1: um yeah that came and went really quickly around here I wanted to see that
2: it was uh, it's fantastic it's by uh it's by a, a it's a first time director who goes by one name Coganada um and this is a fantastic movie very very unusual um so john cho plays a korean man who is uh stuck in uh columbus indiana where his uh father is uh dying of a terminal disease and Columbus, Indiana, if you, I did not know this, uh, and most people who are tuning into this movie wouldn't know this either. But it is a hub of uh incredible architecture that came from the mid yeah. uh, the mid uh, the mid twentieth century. Uh and um so he meets a he meets a young girl, uh played by Haley Lou Richardson, uh, who uh is Trying to decide whether she wants to stay in Columbus, but one of the things that she loves about it is the great architecture. Uh, so she takes him around and uh, to to view some of it, and they have very deep conversations about their uh, their uh, their collected sort of uh, ambitions. Uh, and um, this is a really really great movie in terms of uh assessing space between people and uh, as, uh, uh, and appreciating beauty that uh, uh the beauty of everyday things uh not just buildings but also of uh, nature um and uh, uh you know it's not going to sound like a whole lot uh you know plot wise uh it's not it's a movie about character but it is uh it is also a movie about uh about uh it, it's a, it's a movie with vision uh i think and uh and i mean that almost in a literal sense it, it feels like you're just opening your eyes up to something um uh it's it, it's a a masterful first movie i mean <laughs> this is this guy's first movie i can't wait to see i don't even know if it's the guy who made it but uh uh, the filmmaker, uh, you know, is, uh, who also wrote the movie is just, uh, working at, at top speed here. And, uh, anyway, the movie is called Columbus. It's not about Christopher Columbus. Like I thought it was going to be, I was, <laughs> I was like, Oh no, not another movie about Christopher Columbus. But, uh,
0: it is, it is really fantastic. Uh,
2: and, um. I can't yeah, say really, that about it.
0: It's a really good movie and it was the number 1 movie on that list that you guys were making fun of mercil- mercilessly a few weeks ago.
2: Oh, yes, of of like the best movies that have not, you know, been talked about or something this year or something like that. Yeah, I can't remember. Yeah. But uh yeah, well, it it deserves it deserves uh, uh all the all the acclaim that should be coming to it. Uh, I, I don't. I don't think many people are going to be talking about it, but it should. It should be in the discussion this year. It's one of the great movies. So. Um,
0: it's a good movie, guys, and I it. like. I, and I like. I like architecture too. Like, yes, I find uh, that I watch a, like movies about the architects and things, and I like their stories and. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, this is a you know, it kind of functions
2: as a kind of a travelogue in some ways, uh, which is starting to be kind of a kind of a uh, new genre. I mean, uh, <laughs> it's kind of a weird uh, thing, but I've been noticing ever since um, uh, ever since John Favreau came out with Chef, which I also felt was kind of a um, kind of a travelogue, and then mm-hmm. of course, oh, yeah. And then, then it's like a travelogue mixed with a little bit of narrative, but not too much. Uh, and then you, you also have the trip movies, of course, that we've talked about numerous times mm-hmm. on this show—the the Steve Coogan, uh, Rob Brydon movies. Uh, and then I also watched this week uh, "Paris Can Wait," uh, Eleanor Coppola's mm-hmm. movie, which is oh, also
3: yeah.
2: <laughs> also very much. uh, I mean this one (laughs) This one is just almost Nothing but travelogue There's almost no story in it whatsoever That's Um, true The only story that I can see In Paris Can Wait Where we have uh, Diane Lane Who's married to uh, Alec Baldwin Who's a rich guy And they're going to meet in Paris And she doesn't want to take the plane So she drives with one of his friend, friends and business associates to Paris, and they they stop along the way and uh, and enjoy uh, the countryside and the food mm-hmm. and so forth. And really, there's no plot in it whatsoever, except for the fact that you're wondering throughout the entire movie whether uh, whether Diane Lane uh, is being taken. You know, by this guy that she's right. Mm-hmm. That she, you know, he's he's constantly borrowing money and her and her credit card, and that's about the only like sense of uh, suspense in it or whatever. Um,
1: uh, it wasn't I a bad movie. It. I remember <laughs> liking it. I remember it. I thought it was a great, light heart, very enjoyable. I found. I mean, I didn't really think you that. Go. You know,
2: I didn't think that there was much to it. Really, I didn't think that there was a lot of. I <clears throat> uh, I didn't think that the dialogue was very interesting uh, uh but I did like looking at looking at where they were going the places that they went to the things that they saw the food that they ate um yeah. I just wish it would have been a little bit more interesting in terms of script Yeah
0: that is the kind of movie it is where you just like uh yeah, you know, if you watch it when you're hungry, I mean that uh, might convince you. That there you go, better. man. There you go. <laughs> it helps. It helps things. It helps. Yes. Yes. Uh, I mean, uh, but
2: the, you know, I mean, it wasn't bad, and I always love, you know, Diane Lane. She's uh, she's she, she's just, you know, I sat and I sat and watched it, and I was like, boy, wouldn't it be great if if somehow they they brought in uh Bernard Bernard from uh a little Romance and made this come full circle uh <laughs> because you know uh little Romance was one of her first movies also shot in paris and uh and uh you know i I've had a crush on her ever since uh ever since I saw that movie back in seventy nine uh and I still have that same crush on her i just uh it, that's something that's never gonna go away. Um, I just uh, I just adore her, um, and uh, so for me, the, she, she was one of the major reasons to watch the film, really. So, but it is interesting She's that sure. uh, the, Cop- the entire Coppola family are directors now: the mother, the,
0: <laughs> the mother, the father, the daughters, but the children. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. He Roman hasn't done anything except CQ, right?
2: Not, not really. I mean, he's yeah, written that a was couple of thing. things, but not. Yeah, he has not... written some
1: stuff. Has he yeah. written stuff with, um, with Wes Anderson? I think. Or... Y-
2: yes. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So, so he's he's still in there as far as that goes, but um, Man. yeah, what a family.
0: If you buy yeah. the CQ soundtrack, it'll 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 take you back hundred dollars. Like, well, what the hell was on that soundtrack? But it doesn't wow. matter what's on it. Just how rare it is on yeah, so God wow.
2: that's, a, <laughs> that's a surprise. Um Let's see, what else what else have I seen? Um uh, there is really a lot. I've gotten a lot of uh documentaries, so um
0: you know, some of those Is it some a good year t- for documentaries? Mm-hmm. Because I keep waiting to see a documentary that will blow my socks off, as, as, they do, as they've done consistently in previous years, and I have yet to find the one that does that.
3: Well, right. there's only,
2: for me, there's only been two major documentaries that I think are really great so far this year, and I think both of them are really technically 2016, but that doesn't matter because they got released this year in theaters. So uh and that is Obit, the thing about the uh, the New York Times obituary writers, and uh Keedy, the uh the movie about the Turkish street cats. Uh, but uh I have watched a whole bunch of really good documentaries so far. Um uh for instance Steve James has a new one called Abacus Small Enough to Jail, which is about a Chinese American uh bank uh that was prosecuted uh in two thousand eight for defrauding the public uh and uh it was kind of the the fall guy for the whole collapse of the banking industry that happened back in two thousand and eight uh they didn't they didn't go and prosecute you know goldman sachs or or any of those guys they went and prosecuted this little company uh that they yeah. uh, that the government uh decided uh had uh and they had done some uh, there was a guy in the in the bank that was defrauding uh def- defrauding people but um uh, but the bank as a whole didn't know about it and and took uh took the proper measures to to uh to throw that guy out, you know, who who was committing the crimes. But they decided to come down on the uh the owners of the bank and who happened to be also all of them, the father who started the bank, all of the daughters and everything, they also happened to be like incredible lawyers. Uh so they they took on their own uh defense. Uh, saving them a lot of money and uh so it's a very very uh you know it might sound like something that might not be interesting but it's it's really really good uh, very um very suspenseful actually and uh an eye opening in terms of you know uh, i don't know the nefariousness of government sometimes um So Steve James is called Abacus Small Enough to Jail. Um, Hmm. I watched. I called him Morgan, uh, which is a a documentary about Lee Morgan, a uh, a '60s era uh, jazz genius uh, who died in a very unusual way, Um, uh, and that was that was also quite uh, quite. good movie a, a, a kind of a story that I didn't know. Uh but um uh highly highly recommended there. Uh Oklahoma City I watched with uh, which is really about the the uh Timothy
0: McVeigh case but also goes into now, now now that was an American uh that was a PBS or PBS did pick that up. So right. I, I did see that.
3: Yeah.
2: yeah. And that that was that was good too. I mean, you know, it's you know, those American Masters things, when when they come up as being, you know, um, you know, contenders for Oscars or whatever, which this one is, uh, I feel weird about that because it really feels so television-y. Uh, but that just shows you how good television is now. Uh, you know, they, they can do these kinds of documentaries, and it's just, you know – they're doing great documentaries on for tv all the time on all sorts of things so um but yeah. um but this this effectively covers you know not only the Oklahoma City bombing but also Waco and Ruby Ridge and so forth so all the things leading up to it uh, are covered uh, quite extensively and uh it's incredibly depressing <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> i mean it's you know it's, it's uh, uh but uh but it's it's absolutely worth seeing and and totally of what we're talking about today um another incredibly depressing documentary is called the force uh a big uh big hit at uh film festivals uh, earlier this year. Uh, which centers in on the Oakland, California oh, police right. force. Uh
4: yeah.
2: which has gone through many different um uh, mm. iterations over the years. They they were uh at first uh uh it was a force that was committed to um to uh weeding out the bad cops and uh and reinforcing the good things about uh the relationship between police and and their constituents and uh and uh, th- then things start to go sour for for the oakland police force and uh they find themselves you know caught up in a few uh scandals that they they can't recover from so it was uh <clears throat> again another another movie that just uh just really hits you with just the enormity, enormity of the of the corruption you know, problem. Yes, and the, just the entire, you know, you just you just can't put your hands around it. Uh, you know, like how how are we gonna how are we gonna fix the the police in this country? But. Um, uh it de- it's it's definitely a, a a very very great documentary and uh and you know highly highly recommended so well, I want to mention one other one that I watched I watched Dawson City Frozen Time which is by Bill Morris oh, I want to
0: see that uh, Yeah, you yes, yeah.
2: yes, it's good. Uh I I I really really adored it you know okay first of all Dawson City Frozen Time is about this Alaskan town called Dawson City that was an early gold rush town. And as an early gold rush town, they had to find a way to entertain the people who were there. And uh, one of the ways they did it was with movies. So recently, in the past few years, they were excavating parts of Dawson City, and they they came across a bunch of film cans uh, while they were excavating. They stopped the excavation. They went in and investigated, and uh, found you know tons of film cans fill, filled with uh, with nitrate films that were considered lost. Why were they there? Well, Dawson City was the end of the line for these movies. They they had when they sent these prints to to the Dawson City theaters they had nowhere to go after that so they just ended up keeping them uh in in like a basement or something and this was a town that had burned down and uh you know six or seven times over the years and uh so they were just all buried in there you know in various states of uh of decay so when you see the movie uh, which is comp- almost completely silent, except for yeah. you know music. Uh, it's done uh, all through uh, images of the silent movies that are that are you know heavily some are heavily damaged, some are in perfect condition, um, and and photos of the town and and so forth. So there's not a, not a lot of talking heads or anything in this. This is a this is a real trip back in time, and. Um, I I really wanted to love it a lot more than I did, uh, and I think one of my problems with it is the music. <laughs> the music, you know, music these days in movies <clears throat> it just seems like uh, noise. I mean, we've talked about this on this show all the time, but um, this is a movie that, uh, you know, the score comes in, And it just bangs away on these three notes over and over again, you know, and it just becomes uh, your head is swimming by like 40 minutes in. you're like, ah, the score. So what I ended up doing (laughs) was I ended up, uh, and I recommend this to anybody, uh, cut the sound off of it. And put on any other music that you happen to like, <laughs> and watch it <laughs> because that will improve the movie a hundred a hundredfold. Um, put on almost anything uh, and uh, just let that go, because uh, the music that's provided in the movie is just too too irritating. It's like it's like quasi uh, quasi Philip Glass kind of music
3: <clears throat>
2: that, uh, uh, but not as good as Philip Glass. <laughs> So uh, but um other than that, you know, I mean the vi- visually it was uh, it was fantastic and, and you know, informationally and everything. It was it was great. Uh so uh the movie's called Dawson City, Frozen Time. It's made by uh, Bill Morrison who also did a movie called Decasio, which is also about decaying uh you know, uh, nitrate film. Um mm. and uh, uh yes, yeah, so, uh, I I recommend that with reservations.
0: So do, have you, do you guys watch the uh, Jim and Andy uh, documentary on Netflix?
2: I have not, but I've gotten I've gotten a lot of uh, you know, I have a I have a good friend who's totally into comedy and uh, he he's recommended that to me highly. Have you seen it?
0: Yeah, it is interesting um because it's uh I mean Jim Carrey had had him had had a documentary crew on him while he was making Man on the Moon, the movie about Andy Kaufman. And uh, right, you know, okay. it's been widely reported, widely reported that he t- totally disappeared into the Kaufman role. And he uh, didn't really break out of it during shooting, uh, whether he was Kaufman or Tony Clifton or what have you. Um, so that's the best stuff in the movie, the stuff from the video crew that was following him around.
3: Mm-hmm. Uh, and then
0: it's... Uh, then there's a new Kerry uh, interview Which kind of drives the whole movie it's, It consists of the interview with him And what's in his That documentary footage that he shot uh, It's fine it, You know how Jim Carey in recent years Has become a lot more uh, Lofty And, and quasi Philosophical in his Uh in his public interviews and things. And uh, some people have said he's going crazy. Um, I, I, I just kind of get the impression that he's just, uh, you know, pretentious turd. Uh, so <laughs> there there, there, are, there are segments where he's going off on these tangents. And look, I understand the basis of what he's saying. Uh, I don't think he's crazy. Uh, but I, I think um, – when he talks about, you know, there's, there's, there's no reality, there's no free will or this world is a construct and we, you know, we don't all have to play along. And, uh, and I, I think it fits in with, uh, how he approached the Kaufman character because the man on the moon is really about identity and, uh, who was, uh, Andy Kaufman. And, uh, you know, we all construct this identity that we present to others. And, uh, uh you know, is that really who we are? Is there a way to truly know who we are, much less another mm-hmm. person? Um, so for a movie about identity, I know a lot of people will see method actors, so-called, go into their process and uh, they'll roll their eyes. But with Man on the Moon and Andy Kaufman, I think it was uh, productive. It's productive to be method with it because the the, the whole movie is about com committing to a persona that is that's not really you that's not really who you are Um, so I I like that kind of meta aspect of the movie on the the whole um, I wish there were more people on the outside interviewed about the experience of doing this movie with him and who Andy Kaufman was because it's really driven by Jim Carrey's interview Um, and at times he's so flighty I just Got kind of sick of him, right? <laughs>
2: <laughs> Do you think that movie changed him? I mean, in terms yes. of uh, because yeah, yeah, it does, it does seem like there's. Oh, I it mean, really? Okay, so because it does seem like there's uh, there's a definite change in his career after that film, like where he. Uh, he seems to get less and less, uh, he's less and less interested in, in, you know, shitty movies like doing liar, liar two or something like that. Uh, and, uh, I, and frankly, he's more interested in now in painting, I guess. So, and, uh, I really enjoyed earlier this year, a little short film that came out about his, uh, about his, uh, painting career. And it seems like he's really committed to it. And, uh, uh it sounds to me like you know a lot of his uh flightiness uh might be just thoughts that he's having while he's painting you know and i think he's enjoying painting a lot more than than, than uh than acting frankly and
0: uh i i mean not to philosoph not to psycho, psychoanalyze but i think a lot of it has to do with um uh possibly evading uh, his darker uh, nature. I, mean, I I think it's quite. I think it's quite possible that he's been very contentious with. Uh, I mean, he's being sued right now by the family of his ex-girlfriend for con- contributing to her suicide. But uh, I think uh, he might have some problems, and the best way to kind of uh, not deal with those problems is to say, you know, nothing has meaning. You know, uh, there's no free will, or you yeah. know, try to try to. Try to act like you're all the Zen master about life, and you're above it all. And hey, oh yeah, Jerry, I, I I know that you and I have seen the same one of one of the same movies in the past week, and I really dug it. It might wind up on my top ten of the year. Wow, um, what movie is that? And that that movie is Blade of the Immortal. Oh yeah, baby! Wow, Takashi t- t- McKay I movie. Think. Yeah. hmm wow. Dude, it was it's wild. Pretty badass pretty badass samurai movie. It really is. Yeah.
3: <laughs> hmm Wow.
2: That's, that's uh, Yeah. You know, he, he comes, comes out man. with so many movies it's hard to <laughs> This is his
1: hundredth this is his hundredth movie. So um <laughs> <laughs> This is his hundredth movie and um Oh god, it's wonderful. Um it if you like Thirteen Assassins, you'll definitely love this one. Um which I thought it was one of my favorite movies of that year, and I this could be on my top ten too. Um, it's um, that's some opening, isn't it, Jamie? <laughs>
0: yeah, I mean, they, uh, they, there are like one-on-one battles uh, in the mm-hmm. movie, uh, but most of it is like is one man against hundreds. Uh, <laughs>
3: yeah,
0: mm-hmm. <Yes, laughs> it, yes. it, it is so like over the, t- uh, you know, much like Kill Bill, which was a. Uh, which was uh, inspired by a lot of these kinds of movies, this tradition. Right. Mm-hmm. But, uh, yes. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, it, it, it does have some gr- grotesque elements of it. But, uh, yes. You know, nothing, nothing that uh, made it unpleasant for me. Uh, and I, I, oh, I, I like I the know. story of it. I, I I like the legend of it that they built around mm-hmm. it. I thought it was good.
1: It was based on a famous Japanese uh, comic. And I liked also how he's able to. In most of his movies, a lot of his movies, some of them are horror, some of them are fantasy, but he's able to like weave that into it without making you know making such a big deal out of that, like a whole supernatural element of this, if you will. It's all like so matter of fact, it, you know. It's just like shit. We buy it. Yeah. We buy it immediately. You know, you, there's no. You're just like, oh yeah, oh that makes perfect sense. Sure, <laughs> you know. I mean, no, very, I yeah, and very there's well and there's I gotta.
0: Be, I mean, the, the lead the lead character's been. Uh, Made so that he can't be killed. Yeah, and uh, and so, and so um, but uh, I was wondering because, well, what's Vince in that? Like, if he can't be killed, you kind of know right. how all the shit's going to turn out. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> and then, but it, but, it, but it it does make him vulnerable. uh yes. in the course of the movie. But and what's interesting is, uh, until the very end of it, when he has something worth fighting for again, mm-hmm. uh, he's not very good at fighting. Like, every single no, no, batch he no. gets into, he gets butchered, like, every batch. I was like, well, is mm-hmm. this... <laughs> he's no, like, master at this movie. No, no, he's not, no.
1: No, that's cool. Oh, I didn't know you wanted oh, That's awesome. This is on demand, if anyone's interested. The movie is on on uh, all-video-on-demand um, outlets. so it's definitely worthwhile checking out. I'm going to check that one out. Yeah, definitely check it out, man, yeah. Uh... I watched uh, Victoria
2: and Abdul which I had uh oh, geez, <laughs> Well, you know, Stephen Frears, you know. Uh and um you know, who who's you know uh, okay sometimes. Um and uh I, I I really responded to it. I I, I thought it was good. You know, I, I know that there's uh a lot of uh, criticism leveled at the movie for being uh, for being insensitive, I guess, towards uh, Muslim people. I guess, but uh, I didn't. I wait, wait I, where was I'm... that?
1: Where people? Wait, there's criticism. So I didn't. I saw this a couple months ago. I didn't think it was. Okay, maybe I'm just maybe I'm insensitive. I don't know. I, mean, I know that's the way I'm feeling too, Jerry. <laughs> I, mean, like, I mean, in all seriousness, you get—I didn't get that out of the movie. I it's a very pleasant movie. I mean, it's a very pleasant film. I mean, that's all I can say It is. Say, I mean. it, it wasn't stupid.
2: Uh, it was. Uh, it was. Um, I thought uh, Judy Dench and uh, uh, was was very very good in it and. Um, mm-hmm uh you know i uh i responded to their to their uh relationship and yeah. uh, i don't really know how truthful it is uh but um as a movie i i, I felt it was fine you know i yeah. uh you know ali fazal was was good as uh, abdul and uh the the movie is uh you know handsomely mounted and uh it's you know it's uh based on a uh, you know a book by a um a Muslim author Shrabani Basu. and mm-hmm. um uh you know i what can i what can i say i i i did not find it offensive in any way uh i guess you know i guess maybe some people felt like <clears throat> maybe the reactions of the british uh to the uh to the muslim you know kind of invasion of their territory i guess mm-hmm. uh you know i guess the the british reaction to it which seems truthful for the time maybe that yeah. rubbed people the wrong way uh, rubbed some viewers the wrong way maybe the arrival of his uh, mu- uh his uh wife and his mother right. who were who are uh completely covered in the burqas uh, maybe maybe that uh, rubbed people some wrong uh, the wrong way, but uh, it all seemed very, uh, very well portrayed. I thought it was respectf- respectfully portrayed. Uh, I don't know, mm-hmm. maybe, you know. Again, maybe this is mm-hmm. my. Let me just say
1: something. I think that needs to be said about Stephen Frears. Um, he's a very good director. I, I think for I for I can't really. I mean, you'll have to help me name a bad movie. I think he's, he gets a very good performance out of Judy Bench, like in this and also Mrs. Henderson Presents. Um, he's mm-hmm. just very good at, at getting performances out of people. Um, and I thought it was a very – i was a movie I was kind of dreading because I was like, oh, it's like some kind of masterpiece theater. And it wasn't like that at all. It was actually very, you know, engaging, not stuffy at all. It was very – like you said, you you warm up to it almost immediately. Um, yeah,
2: yeah, yeah. And remember he did Philomena a couple of years ago. Yeah, which got, or, which no, got no, no. no. Pick- Philomania. Philomania. Phil- remember what remember was called
1: Philomania, <laughs> the Golden Globes? So. <laughs> oh yes. <laughs> Philomania. Uh
2: but uh yeah, as you know I, you're right. He uh, you know, I didn't you know, he did a movie about uh, Lance Armstrong a few uh, a couple of years ago called The Programme, which I didn't think was very good, but that's probably <laughs> the least effective movie in his career, maybe. I mean yeah. uh, he he's he's had you know, he's kind of one of those directors that flies under the radar for a lot of people, you know. Mm-hmm. I mean
0: we're a long way well, that's away from that, that's not true. You really you really didn't like Florence Foster Jenkins. Oh, that's true. I did yeah, not that's like true. that.
2: Yeah, that's, <laughs> that's
0: that's the perfect example
3: of
2: that's the perfect example of this kind of movie that doesn't work for me, but, uh, but um, you know, a movie for maybe an older audience or so forth. But, uh, I, you know, I, I think he's back up the
1: snuff with I, Victoria and Abdul. I can admit that I was wrong about Florence Foster Jenkins. I'll say that. I was wrong. You were wrong. wrong? How? Yeah. Well, oh, I mean, I didn't, I didn't hate it as much as you did, but I, I think I jumped on the bandwagon you know, of hating it, and I was wrong to do that. So I admit that freely. Okay. I mean, yeah, it
2: just was it just wasn't my deal, but um, but he's a, he's a very very, you know, I mean look at look at his career. I mean, uh, you know, uh, prick up your ears and uh, mm-hmm. beautiful, my beautiful Andretti and the Grifters, which is probably my favorite of his movies. And dangerous liaisons and, and the hit,
1: don't forget the hit forget. yeah, the
2: hit and uh dirty, pretty things, and the queen mm-hmm. and uh, so he's uh he he's you know he's not someone somebody to be brushed aside, i think, um uh, so you know, I would recommend victorian abdul even if you even if you think, ah, it might be
0: a little too stuffy for me, it's not <laughs> it's not he was on the show I forgot what he was on the show talking about um,
1: wasn't I it the one I... with uh, Gemma, Gemma Arlington Arlington the, um, the one that was based on the graphic yeah, novel I forget Tama- what was.
0: Tamara Drew yeah
1: Yeah, Tamara
0: Drew. that was a good movie that was pretty good yeah when he makes a movie about a graphic novel it's uh, Tamara Drew <laughs> <laughs>
3: yeah
2: yeah that's that's pretty co- that's pretty cool so I also watched <laughs> this, is, this is unusual for me to watch something like this but uh, uh, on Amazon Prime, they have a documentary called Doomed, uh, the untold story of Roger Corman's The Fantastic Four. Yeah. Oh,
1: that's actually on – that's actually on – I think you can actually watch that now. Okay. Cool. Yeah. Uh, and if you don't know the
2: story of Roger Corman's Fantastic Four, it was what, – what was it, done in the early 80s?
1: It like the uh let's say the early nineties mm. okay early
2: early- uh, so yeah right the early nineties that is what it is the late eighties early nineties
1: yeah
2: and uh basically it was a it was a movie that that was only made uh to for the filmmakers to really retain control yeah. of the property
0: mm-hmm. uh okay.
2: they never really intended for the movie to come out, but the makers of the movie, the director and the actors and the technicians involved with it totally thought that they were making the first Fantastic Four movie and they were, even though their budget was very limited uh, they put their heart and soul into this uh, into making this work as, as best as it possibly could and uh, and then at the end, when it was all over with and they were getting ready to, to you know, promote the movie and everything, it was pulled from the shelves and, and basically, uh, you know, the, the only print of it was abscotted uh, with and, you know, nobody really knows where it is. And um, they did get some copies made of it, of the film. And uh, there's speculation in the movie as to how the movie actually did get out there because eventually it did get out into uh, Comic-Cons and so forth uh, in bootleg versions that the filmmakers weren't even aware of uh, existed. They were just going to the Comic-Cons and signing autographs, and then all of a sudden this movie that they didn't have – a, they never watched because they never got a chance to – is available for them to see. Mm-hmm. And, um, so I just, you know, I, I really watched it mainly just to see, cause I thought it was an unusual story. You know, the, the, uh, the whole circumstances of it, uh, are just incredibly, uh, unique. And, uh, I wanted to see how, how the, uh, artist handled it. Uh, yeah. And it's, I think they handled it with, with great aplomb and, and, yeah. uh, and uh, and dignity, uh, and uh, they they still want the movie to be you know have an official release. They're
1: still uh, pining right. for that. You know, I so, was talking to people about this because this is important to actually know. For a long time in the eighties and nineties, Marvel's properties were tied up with Roger Corman's New Horizon, um, or New World or whatever whichever it was called at the time, New World Pictures, and you had the Punisher, you had the Fantastic Four. I mean, these are all straight to Captain America, all straight to video movies. I mean, they never—I don't think any of them. Would, uh, the ones that did get made, all are released in the theaters ever. Um, <coughs> if, so I think it's just amazing how times have changed so much. These are hot properties yeah. and at the time they're made. They no one would—no one wanted to touch them. <laughs> it's true, you
2: know. And you think back on—I uh, <clears throat> mean. It, you know, the basis of all of the superhero love that's going on now, besides the comics, uh, is really uh, – you know, comes down to some of the stuff that was on TV in the 70s, uh, yeah, particularly mm-hmm. particularly, uh, uh, Incredible Hulk and Wonder Woman.
3: Um, yeah, well, Spider, Spider-Man. I
2: remember, there was a live-action
3: Spider-Man, too. That right.
2: Yeah. yeah. So, I mean – that was that was wasn't on for very long, but uh the other two were pretty were were pretty solid properties back were, then. Were mainstays. <laughs> yeah. So uh it's interesting to look back at that and uh and uh I guess if you want some kind of explanation for what's going on with the superhero love in movies now, it's that for so long the fans of these properties these comics were denied uh really um caring kind of uh adaptations of these comics you know they were mm-hmm. uh they they were uh they were kind of thrown away as jokes i guess and right. uh, mm-hmm. and that kind of uh that kind of got the ire up of the fans and they they really uh they wanted to, as we're seeing now they they wanted these for so long these adaptations and they take it very seriously uh so that was another reason I, I wanted to watch the movie the to, to uh, this movie doomed was to sort of uh, get to the bottom of the of the uh of the superhero love that's going on today, I think it—I think it—it it served
0: its purpose in that way. Yeah. They kept pestering me to interview the makers of that Doom documentary, so I finally agreed, and I sat on the phone, waited for them to call in. I waited a half hour and they never called in, so I just hung up hmm. and said, "Screw it." And then they came back hmm. a couple of days later. We—we we do really want to set up this interview, and like, no, you—you you already had your chance, and I'm not like thrilled to talk about. It. Doomed, Fantastic Four so, uh, so I just said No, enough, enough's enough <laughs> <laughs> no, That never happened Yeah <laughs> Well, that interview yeah. was doomed Yeah, you gotta <laughs> call him <laughs> If you want to be gotta, interviewed You gotta show go You gotta go <laughs> <up for me. laughs> yeah. uh, I saw Lloyd Kaufman's uh, A Lloyd Kaufman movie the other night Or last night Called Jurassic oh. <laughs> it? Oh, that sounds, it sounds like
1: right up my alley, man. It sounds like right up
0: my alley. And and, and the top billed uh, top build actor it is Jan Michael Vincent. So I'm I'm, I'm yeah. waiting for Jan Michael Jan Michael Vincent to show up, and I'm like, where the hell is Jan Michael Vincent? And then there's this one shot of him carrying a sword. Uh, <laughs> And then I don't see him again in the movie. <laughs> 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 but, you know, you got
1: to, you got to, um, you got to. I don't know. Shot, you know.
0: I, I don't know. Like, we'll pay you $500 just to be at this one shot. All right. All
3: right. We'll, help you, we'll help
0: you get some, pharma, we'll help you get your prescriptions for the pharmacy. Oh. i, I, I got to be honest, though. i I got to be honest. I only watched an hour of it. I was like, you know, because my, uh I, I can't, I, I just can't do it. I, I just can't commit fully to watching intentionally bad movies like uh like my friend does all the time. Like he that's that's his get togethers is watching bad movies. I know they get a good laugh out of it and I enjoy it as far as it goes. But you know if I have a chance to watch a good movie or a bad movie I'll always take the good movie possibility. I think so, that's
3: just
1: something that comes with age. Uh,
3: yeah, not,
0: time. it's time. Yeah, it's just time, you know. I mean, it's no, because my, my friend's older than I am. So. Oh, uh, really?
2: So, yeah.
0: <laughs> well, maybe, I mean, obviously not for
2: everybody, but for me, definitely for me. I've just, you know, I have i don't watch a lot of bad movies. That said, I did watch last night, I watched Airplane 2, the sequel. Well, that's not a bad
1: movie. That's a funny movie. Well, you yeah, can laugh once, of at that. Bad. Yeah, it
2: yeah. wasn't.
1: It wasn't bad, you know. I'd stayed away
2: from it for many years because I, I think I saw little bits of it on on cable or something like that, but I never, I never wanted to watch it because I knew that the Zucker's and and Jim Abrams weren't involved with it, so and actively hate it and uh, say they've never seen it, but uh, I thought it did okay. Yeah. yeah.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Great use <laughs> yeah. of the Battlestar Galactica theme. Um, you know the
2: yeah. original Battlestar. <laughs> yeah, that was that was interesting. Uh, I guess they probably really wanted the Star Wars theme, but they couldn't get that, so they just went yeah. to the Battlestar Galactica <laughs> instead. But because um, it starts with a crawl, you know, when the Star Wars crawls. But yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I I thought it I thought it had a a, a good number it's of got like funny. Laughs in it got some funny bits, like when he asked them how did
3: it all begin, and he got.
1: And he goes
0: to the thing. Well,
3: first
0: came the dinosaurs and then there's, there's a, a lot of great moments in that movie. Oh, um, yeah. And I, that, I like that, that that director that director has an interesting career because uh that same year hang on. Cuz I sent him a request one time and it's it's difficult to um uh, send requests to people that are famous for really bad movies cuz they were probably like, oh, they're going to rake me over the coals. I'm uh, being set up for something. No, we're really. We're an interview request. But he directed Airplane Two, the same year, and he wrote it, the same year that he wrote Grease Two. The <laughs> other, uh, the other famous movie he uh, wrote was uh, Who's That Girl with Madonna. Uh, I mean, you got to go with what you got. I mean, so. <laughs> who is this guy? Ken
1: Finkelman.
3: Yeah.
1: Oh, the Finkelmans of Minnesota. Okay.
3: <laughs>
0: I remember eating their hot dog and thinking, "That's a Finkelman." <laughs> <laughs> unmistakable,
2: unmistakable Finkelman quality. It's a Finkelman, uh, maybe. Yeah, but I, you know, I enjoyed William Shatner. He had a couple of gags in it, and uh, you know, I mean, it's, it's got a, it's got a decent cast, just like the first one did, and. uh you know, I I I kind of dug it. It was just the right movie for yeah. the
0: mood that I was in. So <laughs> that's
2: good. It's- William
0: Shatner William Shatter came out in a, a little late. Like I can imagine <laughs> William Shatner looking at the first airplane and thinking, and looking at Leslie Nielsen and Lloyd Bridges and Robert Stack and thinking, Oh God, that should have been me. Like uh, yeah. I I get yeah. it because when when he recorded the transformed man he did not get that it was funny. I mean, you read the liner notes in that album and they're like, mm-hmm. Oh my God, I'm so, pr- so proud of what I've created. We've created a masterpiece, something very bold. And <laughs> and I love that album, but I love that album because it's like a parody of itself. And but, but, right. but I love it because it was done with absolute sincerity. Like if it had been a joke, uh, it would not be as good of an album as entertaining as it is. Mm. Um, but I watched yeah. the William Shatner movie today. Oh yes. Yeah? American American Psycho two. <laughs> he's in that. Like, he's he's
1: in there. It. Wow. It's, oh wow. God, yeah, me. he and
0: Milo Kunis. Yep. That yeah, that's great is, movie. Oh my god. Oh my you, god.
2: I didn't even know they had made an American Psycho yeah, two. It, so who who yeah, plays it. Patrick
0: Bateman? Uh, well, Patrick Bateman's done and gone. Uh, William Shatner he, yeah. plays an FBI profile that, a profiler That helped nab him or something And uh, Mila Kunis Is uh, the student of William Shatner And she wants to be his Teaching assistant it's a coveted position And she's willing to murder for it So That's right Wow there there nice. it is yeah. There's the log That's, line
1: yeah. <laughs> I mean you could I think they should have used it to try to sell that movie I mean I, You know
0: Um Okay, here's uh, Tom Tom McCarthy, the director. He was an actor, too, right?
2: Yes. Mm -hmm.
0: He was on The Wire. Okay. Here's a list of uh, ten underrated movies directed by famous actors. Even though Tom McCarthy is number ten and he's not a famous actor. He is an actor. Let's just say directed by actors. Yes. (laughs)
1: Yes. <laughs> that would be Little Children, wouldn't
0: it? Um, <laughs> oh yeah. I don't, I don't number ten would. is Win Win. This is from Taste of Cinema, by the way. Oh,
1: oh Win Win's a great that's a great I think that was on my top ten list that year if I'm not mistaken. That's, I love that movie. That's a uh-huh. great little movie.
2: Yeah, McCarthy's made a lot of good stuff. I mean, you know, outside of Spotlight, you know, that uh Win Win and, and also the Visitor, I think. So he's
1: on oh, the Visitors is a wonderful movie
2: too. They're all yeah. great little gems. I mean, Yep.
0: Yeah. yeah, he's good. Good writer too. Yeah, so when when not knowing anything about it, even though knowing that it was wrestling related and uh you know, it was still like to go into a movie cold and uh, not know yeah. where it was going to take you. Mhm.
1: That yeah, I agree 100%. Number 9.
0: I hate this I've always hated this title. Scary Oldman's movie, Nil Nil by Mouth. <laughs> yeah, that is that is an irritating
2: title, I must say. Uh yeah, but a good hard movie, movie to, though. Hard movie to
1: get through though. Tough but a good, movie. it's a, well, I think it's a, I think it's worthwhile. I just think it's it's a, it's an interesting movie cuz like this is like what's the movie he, didn't he, remember he made the one with Tim Roth for Mike Lee, what was that called? Um, meantime. Meantime, and I, it definitely has like a Mike Lee feel to it at times. Yeah. Um, yeah I mean, that definitely that, that just that you know, that despair of the lower class and everything. I mean, it's just really, but it's a, I think it's a, it's a good movie. No, it's not the kind of movie you have to really be in the
0: mood for it, though. I mean, yeah. I, I do agree. It is a hard movie to sit through. I I will give you that. Yeah. I'm in the mood to sit with a bunch of miserable people uh, talking in a dialect so heavy I can't understand what the hell they're saying. <laughs> true, <laughs> it's true, that true, kind true. Of mood. Yes.
2: <laughs> Sorry to say
0: Obviously uh Oldman's in the you know, in the top of the Oscar conversation this year for his makeup performance and uh, As Winston Churchill. So we'll see. We'll see. People are lukewarm on the movie, but people were lukewarm on the Iron Lady, and Meryl Streep got it. So who knows? Yeah. Uh, Number eight. Peter Lorre directed The Lost One. Geez, that that's one I don't know. That's yeah. It really it really is The Lost One. Uh, what is that about? Laurie never directed again because of the film's backlash. Perhaps the movie was way too dark for the production code of the time. Uh, The last one involves a villainous doctor that works for the Nazi party. He develops a lust for murder when he first starts off with his fiancée who is an informant. The film's title is exactly what it is as it feels like an... Oh my God. Somebody consulted com on this motherfucker. I can't understand. I don't know what this word is. <laughs> anyway, that's what it's about. Okay. Uh, I mean, I, I would have to uh, – I'd like to see it, but uh, I'd have to say that uh, there's no better – like, people talk about a one-two punch. There's no better one punch than The Night of the Hunter because exactly. Lottie never directed it again. Jesus yeah, if you're going to do so one, one movie, movie make, make it that right one. one. <laughs> yeah, yeah, make it that one. Not wait, uh, what okay.
1: do you mean make it that? Well, not maximum overdrive. It- <laughs> okay. That was a joke, guys. Okay. Um
2: yeah, either either Night of the Hunter or the Honeymoon Killers if you can do
0: one of those. Oh two. yeah,
1: yeah, I mean, yeah.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Number 7. Alan Arkin directed Little Murders. Another one I've never seen. I've heard of it but I've never
1: seen it. Wow, this guy's really big El-
2: Is that Elliot Gould? That's in that one? Yes.
1: Good good man, all right.
2: Yeah, that's a that's a uh and also written by Jules Pfeiffer, I think, right? So Yeah. Uh who did uh, Carnal Knowledge, famous comic artist.
0: Uh Yeah, yeah I wrote him earlier that. in the year. I, I wrote Jules Pfeiffer earlier in the year and I like a little back and forth with him. He uh he was interested in coming on to talk about car carnal knowledge. He said, Yeah, that might be fun. But I just never got around to it. Like um, he's still
2: around. Let's do that.
0: Let's have him on. I don't know, dude. I was thinking of this. Did I I think I talked I'm I'm worried about Burt Reynolds in the next couple of months. <laughs>
2: Oh, uh, what do you mean? Oh, I see what you mean. <laughs> <laughs> uh,
0: because no. I don't know if you saw this today. Uh, because, Deed you have you have something that like the, the greatest interview of their lives, and uh, as you did for Haskell Wexler, and a couple months later they die.
3: Mm-hmm. Uh, oh and man! If you look,
0: if you look, oh, if you look to the news today, I mean, Maltillus died today, and that was mm. the first person you asked him about. Oh yes! Oh
1: shit! Oh my god! Well, yeah. you know,
0: I mean,
2: you know we, we get these guys you know when they're eighty 90, so you know right well, but uh well, yeah you know, I, I, I
0: i i'm 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 booking you an interview next week with Dan Aykroyd, that's all I gotta <laughs> say, oh man, that's cold blooded man. <laughs> that, is.
1: <laughs> that is just cold blooded I
2: mean. <laughs> right. no let, i Bert, Bert will be fine,
0: okay. All right. I, <laughs> I didn't so, realize though. I'm not really worried. Maltillus lived lived until the day a half hour away from me. I never realized that. Mm. Um, okay. Number uh okay. Number 7 was Little Murders directed by Alan Arkin. Number 6 is The Gift directed by Joel Edgerton. That's a, that good one. a good choice. That's, a, that's such a
1: creepy, disturbing, well-done movie. I mean, it just like gets under your skin, though. But it's so well-made, though. It's talking about a movie, you don't know where it's going to go. You just know it's going to continue to get worse and worse
2: and worse. Yep. Yep. And three really good uh, performances from uh, uh, Jason Bateman and, yeah. and of course, yeah. Edgerton and, and also uh, uh, Rebecca, Rebecca Nell, Hill. Right. Right. So um, yes.
1: Is it, uh, Rebecca Hill, I'm
2: sorry.
0: I Rebecca
3: Millenni's sorry, sorry. Uh Rebecca
0: Hall, Rebecca Hall, sorry. Uh no. yeah. Yeah, ba- ba- yeah. Bateman's a Bateman's a good uh Bateman's a good dramatic actor. And uh, you know, like we always knew we always suspected at least that Vince Waden was a good dramatic actor, but he was wasting himself in sophomore comedies. Uh I mean Jason Bateman is much the same.
3: Mm-hmm. Um uh,
0: and he, he's he got the same sarcastic timing that uh, Vince Vaughn has and uh, that kind of thing that works well for comedy. But uh, yeah, I like when he yeah. takes a dramatic role.
2: Yeah, um, yeah. He's he's an excellent asshole in movies in movie <laughs> and in TV. Yeah, you know? yeah, no, he's, he's great. He's, he's, he's great in the yeah. Yeah,
1: he's good.
0: Number five, Faithless, directed by Liv Oldman. Uh,
2: you know, that's one that I, 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 again, another one that I haven't seen, but, uh, that's uh, a good
1: choice, actually.
2: Yeah, that's,
0: that's excellent. It's a that's revelatory a list for you, Dean.
3: Come on. Yes.
0: Yeah. Number four. Uh, I'm sure, uh, well, no. I know he likes going south. Uh, uh, but I was about to say I'm sure he he wishes this was the only movie he had directed. But I think he likes going south. Uh, Jack Nicholson's Drive, he said.
2: That, oh, that okay. Yeah,
0: that's yeah. A, that's, a, that's an excellent one.
2: Yeah, I mean, uh, going south is good too. I, I I have I have fun with that movie. Um, but yeah, uh, Drive, he said. It's you know part of that BBS uh, that. BBS box set that's on uh, that came out through uh, Criterion Collection. Yeah, probably the most obscure title in that in that list, but uh, yeah, uh,
0: perfectly. It's perfectly an interesting fine It's movie. an interesting relic of, a relic of its time. Yes, uh, of of, of, of uh, the countercultural kind of movement and universities, and yeah, uh, Nicholson's a good a good person. A helmet. And just for the movie geeks out there, we did not forget that Nicholson directed two jakes, but we're I, trying to forget I mean it, I, so. I, I think <laughs> and I'm sure Gary would agree, uh the only reason why he directed the two jakes was just to get rid of the two jakes. You know. But yeah. just get it done, I'll do it. Yeah.
1: Yeah. And he
0: did as fine a yeah, job as that's... he possibly could.
1: Yep. I mean that's a film I'm gonna say what I said walking out of it. Um, like the same Roman Polanski didn't direct it, you know, I mean if you're, you know, so, and if that was never going to happen, so,
0: you know, what can you do? I mean. Number, uh, man, I rewatched Chinatown a month or two ago. It's it's a perfect movie. Yeah, mm. it really is. It's terrific. Number three. I rewatched this in the past year, too. Warren Beatty's Bullworth.
1: Hmm. <laughs> Good movie. Way ahead of its time.
2: Yeah, I need to revisit it uh, again. I, I uh, It's my least favorite of all of Beatty's directorial uh, movies, but um, yeah, I need to take a look at it again, I think. It's been too
0: long. It is interesting because he is so politically savvy, Beatty. He's always kind of harbored political ambitions,
3: mm-hmm.
0: but uh, publicly he's just not comfortable enough you know, to to see them through. Um, so you would think that Bullworth, you know, the satire would be, uh, yeah, you're you're looking for great things from it. Um, but it was really ruined for me by its trailers. Like every single mm-hmm. highlight of the movie was in the trailers. True. And rewatching it, it's like an odd. It's a political satire with a, a, a typically haunting a Neo Morricone score that just feels Mm -hmm. fucking weird (laughs) in in the scope of that movie. Um, But it is interesting to watch now uh, because it was kind of a wish fulfillment thing when it first came out. What if a politician Mm -hmm. really spoke his mind no matter who got offended? Yeah. Uh, So it takes on a different kind of resonance now. Yeah, I mean, Uh, yeah. Number two, Vincent Gallo's Buffalo '66.
3: a I good love
2: movie. Bu- I love Buffalo. I like it. I love it uh, yeah. tremendously. But I'm also a huge fan of the Brown Bunny. I think the Brown Bunny is is is, is even better, really.
1: Uh, I don't hate that movie. I saw it. I had no problem with that movie, you know. I remember watching it and I was like, "You know, this movie's not bad. I don't know what the you know, what everyone's like yapping about. It's not it's not bad at all. It's a good movie." Um Both of them are good movies. Um
2: they are. Uh, I mean, Buffalo 66 is a more conventional film. Yeah. But uh to me uh brown bunny has uh, has real uh vision to it has real um integrity and um uh, uh a a sort of a crushing melancholy to it yeah uh, i mean that's what the work. movie is about Is you know it's another movie about getting over grief uh but um I just uh I just when I think of Vincent Gallo, I think of that movie and not uh not Buffalo 66.
0: Okay. The number 1 movie on this list is Robert Duvall's The Apostle. Mm. Wow.
1: Not Assassination Tango.
0: <laughs> also an interesting movie. I mean, it's not a Yeah. entirely successful movie, but no, no, I never enjoyed it as far, you mean, as far as yeah. oh, yeah, then, no, no, It's, it's like he got movie. a. It's like he. It's like he came up with an idea for a hitman script, and then he fell in love with doing the tango, and he said, "Oh shit, I gotta put this in the movie." <laughs> 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 yeah. So it was this weird kind of conglomerate of opposing uh, storylines. It was kind of interesting.
2: Yeah I I really uh you know The Apostle is still one of the great movies about faith uh just um Yeah uh it's it's one of the uh you know it's not insulting towards the uh, faithful it's uh uh but it also doesn't skirt uh you know the um I guess the uh the more negative aspects of it uh, or the more negative aspects of that character at least because um, uh, he is shown at is at, at, at uh a variety of low points uh but uh but the the faith still comes through and uh, it's believable it's uh it's moving uh and uh it's risky very 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 risky uh yeah. not you know it's uh, it's it still remains you know there haven't been a lot of movies about uh religious faith like that made since that was made i mean there's that's that's a 20 year old movie <laughs>
0: and i can't think of
2: well yeah
0: and actually i i mean a movie uh, a faith based <laughs> movie was really a uh, novelty then and it mm-hmm. it, it came out be- before uh, faith-based movies be, were very profitable, you know. Before it became That's a true. wave of its own, mm-hmm. uh, because because it because, and I don't know if it still would, uh, if it would be caught up in that wave and and be as profitable as part of that wave. Because, like you said, Dean, it doesn't sugarcoat uh, the the morality of the of the lead character. I mean, he is a skirt chaser. He's he he allows rage and jealousy to overtake him. I mean he's a human being. They allow him to be a human being. <laughs> and, and and but it does but it does not conflict with his deep faith at the same time. They don't belittle that. So um, yeah. It's quite a you, quite a feat.
2: And you've definitely keyed into the uh the problem with most faith based movies, uh, that I've seen at least, and that uh they they look at the faithful as being infallible um mm. they portray mm-hmm. they portray the faithful as being uh as being complete paragons of uh humanity and uh
1: right.
2: and, and there's just when you see that in a movie <clears throat> whatever kind of movie uh it it, it, there, it strikes you as being phony you know uh and it just uh, you know i I'd like to see more faith based movies that had real quality uh i don't I don't know why they they why they can't hit a a note of real quality uh but i think I suspect that's the reason is that they just uh they they can't uh they can't get off the team long enough to uh <laughs> you know their team. Uh, they can't uh, they can't disengage from that uh, long enough to really connect with all humanity. I guess so. It's, uh, you know, I'm still waiting. <laughs>
0: and I'll well, definitely watch. Also, yeah, you'll definitely yeah.
2: watch what? I'll definitely watch one that that comes along and and people love. You know, I I you yeah. know look forward to
0: that. Yeah, me too. But, uh, but The Apostle is also great because uh, I think it's a textbook, and this is all Duvall in his direction, it's a textbook example of how non-actors can enrich your film if you use oh, yeah. them in the right way. I mean, it gives that environment such a level of authenticity because mm-hmm. he takes non-actors, people that are really from those environments, <clears throat> and uh, he directs them in such a way where they don't even attempt to give a performance. They just, they just are, uh, and the movie's patient enough to do that. Uh, uh it's beautiful work. It really is.
3: I
2: love the development in present day movies of using, uh, it's something that's, uh, you know, happening more and more of using non-actors, uh, alongside, you know, notable season, yeah. star season yeah. stars, uh to enrich the movie uh it's just uh you know you, you get to things like uh uh the Florida project or uh
3: mm-hmm.
2: you know patty cakes or uh things like that uh those are uh, you know uh, i you know there it's just there's a quality to it uh, also somebody who's good at, at using non actors is david gordon green with things like oh, joe the original yeah, I mean, like George
1: Washington. I mean, remember George Washington is um, yes. like
2: that. Yeah, I just, I, I, I love that. Uh, maybe it's not something that's new, but it does, uh, you know, it, it's something that was done a lot in the, you know, in the days of, you know, the Italian neo-realist uh, uh, movement of the 40s and the 50s and so forth. But. It really is, feels like it's something that's uh, being embraced by American indie filmmakers now to a degree that it, it hasn't in in, uh, in many years, maybe if ever. So uh, I, I I love it. I love that uh, you know. I still think that uh, you know, it, uh, with the Florida project, I think that little girl in that Brooklyn Prince is is just fantastic in it. Uh, I mean, just utterly, utterly great. Uh, I don't know how they get those performances out of these kids, but they—you well, uh, know—Sean
0: Baker really did a, very, a great it's a very job. Deli- it. It's a very delicate thing; it can backfire on you. But there yeah. are—and—and uh, and there's no reason for seasoned actors to feel the really great actors aren't uh, threatened by it, because to infuse right, that right. level of op- authenticity alongside of you, uh, it can only make you better.
3: Uh, mm-hmm. I think.
0: Uh, you know, in the movie you just talked last week with Burt Reynolds about, uh, Deliverance, uh, you know, they didn't get that banjo kid from SAG. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he, he wasn't yeah. like in the backstage magazine. You know, there were yeah,
2: <clears throat> or or just all of those characters that were in Deliverance. You know, just all the all the people that are sitting around the table, the dinner table towards the end of the movie and everything. I mean that that right. that, that uh you know that decision to cast with locals is what what makes that movie uh, you know pop out and feel
0: feel like something completely uh-huh. new
2: when you're watching it. Um very much so. so. Yeah. But you know, I watched uh,
0: another perfect perfect movie a, uh last week. I rewatched The Exorcist. Mm. Uh yeah. because uh I, I was subbing through YouTube as I often do, and I happened upon that video clip of where the camera crews were capturing the first audiences of the Exorcist and their reactions. And it's so like Beautiful to see, people at that time had this kind of reaction to a movie where they 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 just had to leave the theater. They couldn't take any more. They were going crazy. They were passing out in the aisles. It's just I love to seeing that stuff. Um, and so I said, "Well, I'm kind of in the mood to see this movie again." I didn't realize that I, I had chosen the version you've never seen. Uh, nah. about the 2000 re-release and uh, an otherwise perfect movie. Uh, is taken down a star because of mm. that stuff that they put in it. it really does lessen mm. the movie. Those those flash frames
2: of of the demon face and so forth in in various shots that they weren't there in the original. Uh, just, you're right. It just takes the movie down a notch and. Well, I really hate that that's the version that a lot of people are watching now. They think this is the director's cut. It's not. <laughs> Don't yeah. watch this version. Watch the original
3: William yeah. Friedkin
2: version. That's the
0: one. That's the one. Well, the, the, most, the most offensive edition uh, uh, is that spider walk scene. I mean, first oh, of all, yeah. it's, just, oh, God. It's, just, it's just jarring. You, you Even if you've never watched it before, you kind of think to yourself, that doesn't feel like it belongs there uh and and it's obviously not Linda Blair. it's kind of a ridiculous effect. I think people just talked about it so much that they just felt obliged to all right, this will be the attraction of bringing people back in the theater but uh i mean that that really does like lessen an otherwise you know phenomenal movie yeah uh, I, and then, I, I, and I agree. that's another that's another movie that's another movie that benefits greatly from uh at times. A very documentary feel to it. Like when she goes in the and she's being examined, uh, you know, she goes in for the um, procedure where they're doing MRIs on our brain. Mm -hmm. Uh, And and you see like real technicians and they're working on her, you know, people from the hospital. One of whom uh, this is interesting. I don't know if you guys know this. Probably do. The the guy that sticks the thing that sticks the needle in her neck and draws it out and before they Yeah. Do the, yeah uh he was arrested. He was a serial murderer. He was a murderer. And he got arrested and, and that, that began uh William Freakin's uh kind of trek to make cruising. Uh, wow when he found that wow. out. Well, that's mm. interesting. I didn't know anything about that. Wow.
2: Uh well, you know that sequence, that uh, spinal tap sequence, is you know yeah. absolutely instrumental in sort of weakening the audience before the uh, before the actual you know deluge of horrors comes into the movie. So, uh, right. so it's incredibly
0: effective. Um, and if you, if you ground it in that kind of reality, then you're you're more willing to buy the more Atlantis stuff that occurs later in the movie.
2: Yes, uh, yes, I, I think yeah.
0: That's that's yeah, it's quite right. Yeah. That that but, that's my version of this is Spinal Tap, or that's Freakin's version of this is Spinal Tap. <laughs> <That one.
2: laughs> oh, ha ha, that's funny. Um, yeah, but watch the original. Watch the original again. Don't watch the version you've
0: never seen. You don't want to see that version. <laughs> so. Yeah. It's hard, though, man, because a lot of times it's not labeled. I mean, nobody's very few people are going to label it the version you've never seen. They're just going to say The Exorcist, 1973. And so it's, it's hard to know that you're, you know, mm-hmm. until you're into it. That's the
2: insidious quality of, of director's catch. you know, like uh, people tuning in to, oh, I'm going to watch Apocalypse Now for the first time. And then you watch Apocalypse Now Redux. You think it's the same movie, and you know it's—it's it's, it's just not, of course. Uh, and uh, you know, and so many of these director's cuts, you just—you watch them, and you're like, yeah, that should have stayed cut. That's—that's <laughs> that's why they cut it. They cut it because it didn't work. Yeah. Uh, but uh, some of these movies get so huge that people want to see. Uh, everything, and uh, you know, you don't need to see everything. This is, you know, the number of great director's cuts out
0: there are just very few and far between. Yeah, Emmanuel, that's a good director's cut. That's that's a one time <laughs> when I thought, man, I'm glad I'm seeing everything. <laughs> <laughs> All on, right, guys. <laughs> yeah. <laughs>
3: yeah,
0: just, uh, this movie was so restrained. I'm, I'm ready for a director's cut on Collicula <laughs> <laughs> Don't hold back. <laughs> All right, we'll be uh, back next okay. week with uh, Adam talking about the Blu-rays, and I'm sure the the 4K Criterion release of Night of the Living Dead will be on the roster for discussion yes, next right. week. right. Yep, that's
2: exciting.
1: Yes. Okay. Can't wait. All right.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Jerry's, Who's Jerry's always, hang up first? Jerry's always <laughs> in such a Jerry's always in such a foul mood when it comes to Blu-ray time. It's like is <laughs> anybody going to watch these movies? What's going I, on? I, I was, well, no, no,
1: no I didn't, I'm not the only one who said that. Dean has time been with me on that. I no. have. <laughs> I, I yeah, have.
0: but that's, that's that, yeah, but that's part of the fun of the the list that people who are actually releasing the shit.
1: We never yeah, I know, I mean, it is, I mean, never, I I mean, I know, it's just like, wow, I mean, it's just like some of those titles, it's like, I didn't even know that the prints were still in existence, you know, I mean, the negatives, I mean, where did they find this, I mean, just some of these movies, I mean. And you know. In some ways, you know,
2: some of that, some of that gives me hope for the future to, you know, for things like, uh. Finding finding the lost uh, reels of of magnificent Ambersons or something like that. The real yeah. Apple the
1: Apple Dumpling Gang or
0: something like that
2: or <laughs> or or, or, the or Apple Dumpling or, Gang Rides
0: Again. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> or a really clean print of Amazing Grace and Chuck. I mean that's all. Right. <laughs> yeah. I mean,
3: or,
0: or like oh, know, cut, the cut scenes of Bucktown.
1: you know buck down
4: (laughs) Romeo is madly in love with Juliet but because of a senseless family feud the two lovers are forbidden to speak to one another Romeo is a true believer that the spirit of love can overcome all obstacles at the moment he is standing in a garden under Juliet's bedroom window wondering whether he should call out her name and Tell her of his burning love, but soft. What light through yonder window breaks? It is the east, and Juliet is the sun. Arise, fair sun, and kill the envious moon, who is already sick and pale with grief. That thou her maid art far more fair than she, be not her maid, since she is envious her vest livery is but sick and green, and none but fools do wear it. Cast it off. It is my lady. Oh, it is my love. Oh, that she knew she were. She speaks. Yet she says nothing. What of that? Her eye discourses. I will answer it. I am too bold. It is not to me she speaks. Two of the fairest stars in all the heaven, having some business, do entreat her eyes to twinkle in their spheres till they return. What if her eyes were there, they in her head? The brightness of her cheek would shame those stars as daylight doth a lamp. Her eye in heaven would through the airy region Streams so bright That birds would sing And think it were not night See how she leans her cheek upon her hand Oh, that I were a glove upon that hand That I might touch that cheek She speaks O speak again, bright angel, for thou art as glorious to this night being o'er my head as is a winged messenger of heaven unto the white upturned wandering eyes of mortals that fall back to gaze on him when he bestrides the lazy puffing clouds and sails upon the bosom of the air. insensitive how insensitive I must have seemed when she told me that she loved me how oh, unmoved and cold I must have seen when she told me so sincerely She must have asked, did I just turn and stare in icy silence? What was I to say? What can you say when a love affair is over? The memory of her last look, vague and drawn and sad. I see it still. All her heartbreak in that last look. Oh, she must have asked. and stare in icy silence. What was I to do? What can one do?